You're listening to the Tour Station Western League podcast with Ian Knockholes and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 27 of the Tool Station Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I am delighted to be joined on the line by Tom Hiscott, the editor of the Tool Station Western League Bulletin. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing doing great, thanks. And yourself? I am euphoric. Oh, good. I had an absolutely wonderful weekend. Did my latest bucket collection for Mind in Somerset at Clevedon Town. Yeah. And I had an, it was the first time I'd ever been to uh, the Hand Stadium, the home of Clevedon Town. And um, they made a real fuss of me and mind in Somerset, I have to say, Alison Baker, who was with me. We had a great time, very, very generous, you know, support as, we, as we've been getting across the Western League. But just really lovely people. Their bar, their clubhouse has actually got a proper pub sign outside it, oh. um, which took my eye immediately as I got in there but they've also got a club shop okay uh, and it's a proper it's a fully proper shop oh wow That's yeah cool. you went you go in there and there's they, they, you can buy a replica shirt mm-hmm. you can buy cups and yeah. stationery and mm-hmm. scarves and t-shirts and oh it's brilliant spend millions absolutely in brilliant <laughs> very nearly did <laughs> um no I had a really really great time really lovely people um, so that was a really wonderful way to spend my Saturday afternoon. That won't be, might be my first, but it won't be my last trip um, to Clevedon Town. On this week's podcast, we hear from Craig Laird, the Oldland Abertonians manager, and we hear from Jamie Hillman, the manager of Hengrove Athletic. But we kick things off by looking at some Friday night football, Friday the 2nd of February, to be precise, a five-goal thriller between Hallen and Canesham Town. Yeah, cracking starts of the weekend, and it was uh, yeah, especially if you're home fans, they were yeah, they went home with the the three two victory. Um, brilliant game, really. Uh, two goals towards the end of the first half uh, from Corey Thomas Barker and Tom Smallman put Hallen in front, and I think that was uh, Smallman scoring directly from a from a corner, so uh, pretty impressive. Um, and then it was Jordan Greenwood uh, striking from the spot after around 60 minutes, just after the hour mark, putting them three goals to good. So you think Hallen probably. Uh, home, home and dry from that point. But uh, yeah, Canesham had other ideas and they didn't didn't back down whatsoever. Uh, coming back into it, uh, Brandon Opateri uh, scoring 15 minutes from time to to get them get them into the into the game. And uh, yeah, they continue to continue to push. Visiting captain Jake Wilson then scoring in in uh, well the 90th minute, pretty much just before added time start. And so you know, still leaving themselves uh, a couple of minutes at the end uh, to to potentially get something. And that had even more uh, chance of happening when Smallman, who obviously scored earlier. Uh, was given a red card. So uh, Hallam reduced to 10. Kensham, even more impetus for them to to go forward. And um, I've not actually managed to see this, but I believe there was a golden opportunity in the 10th minute of stoppage time. So there was there was plenty of time at that. And uh, unfortunately, that fell just wide. Uh, and so it was Hallam who held on uh, to claim all three points. But yeah, fantastic Friday night fixture uh, with Hallam overturn, uh, well, uh, defeating uh, Kensham by three goals to two. Wow, what a way to start the weekend. Absolutely. Um, We'll start our review of the games from Saturday the 3rd of February uh, in the Premier Division and we'll kick things off with a seven-goal thriller at Buckland Athletic. Yeah, this is uh, probably the, got to be the game of the day, I imagine. Um, home is Heath and, uh, yeah, Buckland storming back to, to beat Bridgewater by four goals to three. Big crowd, not quite the biggest of the day, but, yeah, 326 in attendance. Uh, and it looked to be uh, a day for, for Bridgewater, who've been having some real... Uh, 
uh, excellent form away from home. Um, and they were, yeah, two goals to the good in this one. Uh, Jack Taylor and then Jake Llewellyn uh, putting, putting them in control of this one. But uh, yeah, Buckland coming out after halftime, they were, yeah, there was, there was yeah, something something up them, I, I would say. They were, yeah, they absolutely flew out of the blocks after halftime. Miles James halving the deficit. Uh, and then on the le- on, on the hour mark, they managed to, to get, a, get a share of the spoils. And that was Jared Lewington having a, a stellar season in front of goal again. Uh, made it 2-2 and, yes, yeah, set up the perfect half hour for the neutral. And it was uh, very much Buckland to continue to push forward and, and manage to, to grab all three points. James scoring a second uh, to make it 3-2. Uh, and then it was Josh Grant who scored five minutes from time to, to put them 4-2 up. So a real... Real incredible second half uh, fight back from Buckland. Uh, Bridgewater did manage to, to grab a, a, a late consolation from a J- Josiah McHale. Uh, but yeah, falling short, unfortunately, for them. And it was Buckland who uh, took home all three points. And a monster crowd there, 326. Mm. Um, and Buckland, one of my one of my favourite um, clubs to visit in the Western League. Uh, so I thought this was a good opportunity to um, get get Dan Hart back on um, the um, um, the podcast and reflect. Uh, now we'll turn to Falmouth Town, where any gate Buckland can do, well, Falmouth can do it bigger. 402 <laughs> saw this game against Brixham Town. Not quite so many goals, though, Tom. <laughs> no, bigger crowd, yeah, as you say, not quite as many goals. But, uh, yeah, Falmouth uh, claiming the victory in this one. Uh, suffered a pretty heavy defeat in midweek, so they'll be happy to have... Uh, uh, responded well, and uh, yeah, it was a couple of goals. Uh, it was uh, Oscar Massey uh, for making uh, making the pressure tell after about an hour or so, uh, putting them one up, uh, and then it was him actually again. Uh, Massey scoring the second, 10 minutes from time. So yeah, great individual performance and, and top stuff from Farmer Full Rank, even clean sheet uh, against a good Brixham side and uh, yeah, running out 2-0 victors. Now, two sides that find themselves at the wrong end of the Premier Division table, um, Saltash United against Oldland Abertonians. There had been signs that Saltash were beginning to turn their season around, but um, Oldland Abertonians really pulled this result out of the bag, Tom. Yeah, they did. And even, even in this game itself, Saltash starting pretty pretty strongly, to be fair, and uh, they did take the lead. Uh, Kieran O'Malley are putting them, putting them in front pretty early on, but yeah, they... Uh, um, yeah, came, came unstuck unfortunately for them against, as you say, another side towards the towards the lower reaches of the of the table on Oldland, and it was one man in particular, uh, Tom Blake, scoring a hat trick for the away side in this one, uh, levelling affairs uh, from the penalty spot ten minutes before half time, uh, and then just before the break, so a couple of minutes after he'd he'd got them back on level terms, he completed the turnaround, so uh, put them two one up at half time. Uh, and then, yeah, the Abbots uh, continued to push after half-time, and it was another another penalty uh, five minutes uh, into the second half, and it was Blake who tucked it home again, uh, as I say, to complete his treble and, uh, yeah, to completely uh, turn the game on its head. So it was uh, finished Saltash 1, Old and Abertonians 3. Well, I'm delighted to welcome back to the Toolstation Western League podcast, Craig Laird, the boss at Oldland Abertonians. Um, Craig, thank you very much uh, for taking the time to speak to us and congratulations on that win at the weekend. Saltash is never an easy place to go. Um, so did you believe you could get something from the game when you went down there? Yes, we did, yes. Um, we were handsomely beaten by Bridgewater the week before and I thought it was a great um, response by the players. Um, we've been staying in the games for quite some time now now we're you know at not you know, 80 minutes but we, we seem to be falling a little way at the end but Bridgewater are a good side they're you know they're in the FA 
uh, trophy this week and beat, uh, drew with Taunton um, after our game. So it shows what a good side they are. They've been on a good uh, journey and, and good luck to them. But we're developing and said really pleased with the response from the team. Is that how you felt after that Bridgewater defeat? Did you get the sense in the dressing room that the players wanted to put that, that result right? Yeah, so um, I reflected. I said to the players to go away and reflect on their performances. Um, and I always go and reflect as a manager because I can't heap blame on the players all the time. Um, I probably didn't manage it as best I could. I probably should have uh, shut up shop and maybe taken a, a good loss. I know that sounds weird sometimes, but you can you can get, you can can get lose but not get lose heavily. And unfortunately, it went on to be 7-1 when really I should have secured the team and maybe lost 3-1. Uh, but that's something we've learned. I've learned about the players as well. Um, and hopefully, well, they certainly learned from it because I said they put a great performance in down at Saltash. I mean, I, I know it's not been uh, the easiest of seasons for Oldland Abertonians, but I, I, and I guess that, you know, the classic problem is consistency, isn't it? Because if we look at your results um, this year, you, you know, things started brightly with that win away at Welton Rovers and then two defeats in the league. But you've managed to get back to winning ways against Saltash United. So do you think 2024 is going to be a brighter year for Oldland than um, perhaps 2023 was? Yeah, I hope so. It's, it's taking me a time to come in and assess the squad and give everyone a chance to, to prove themselves, which I think is really important for the players to understand that and see that and that fairness going on. Um, we're trying to sign better players because we have to. We have to create competition for players in, in the squad, which only then breeds the players to play better because they want to keep their shirts. So so that helps that side of it. Um, I'm learning a little bit about the, 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 the team that I've got and what their strengths and weaknesses are and, and where we need to improve. Um, so, yes, hopefully 2024 will be better. I think it will be. As you said before, I think we're in a little mini league at the bottom of the, the division um, where there's probably four or five teams fighting for that, that that end of the league where there's probably five or six fighting for the, the playoffs. So we need to try and win our little mini league. Now, the last time I saw you, you were managing at Barnstable Town. So what was it that attracted you to take up the challenge at Oldland Abertonians? Um, I think the honesty of the chairman. Uh, I think the work that he's doing off the pitch... Uh, I've always believed that football should be sustainable. I don't think teams should be spending money for one season just to try and win a league and then and then go bust. I don't think that's fair on teams that have been doing it properly. Uh, I think the work that he's done off the pitch to try and make it sustainable really attracted me. He's, he's, he's rebuilt the changing rooms. He's now doing the clubhouse. Um, he's done the ground. And all these things are going towards Oakland being able to be sustainable, not just for the near future, but... 10, 20 years' time. So hopefully Oldham will now become an established Western League and if not Southern League club. And that's the aims of the chairman. And I've been brought in to come in, uh, produce a team on the pitch that that matches his um, ambition off the pitch. Because obviously you've got, over the course of your managerial career, I mean, you've you've managed at a much higher level um, than, than the Western League. But even in recent seasons, you will have been at a, an ambitious club in, in, in Barnstable Town. I, when you walked into the Oldland job, it must be the perfect storm in which to try and re, uh, you know, create that ambitious side that you're talking about. Because the Western League is so competitive this season; there just there there just are no easy games, are there? There's not. I think it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Everyone seems to be beating everyone. It's at the top and the bottom. So, yeah, it's a great division to be in. Um, I said it's not very often you leave a club 
to go to a club that's in the top five or unbeaten. I left Barnsville in that position, um, and I've come to a team that are languishing at the bottom. And that's generally when you go into a club, and and generally the only way is up. So my my ambition is to said to consolidate this year to trying to put a team together over the next three months to the end of the season, um, make mistakes on the way. So come August, we're ready to go and and up and running um, and hit the track straight away. So. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a exciting times. So I'm i really am excited about it and excited about Oldland Abertonians and establishing them as as a Western League club and then hopefully pushing on in the next one or two seasons into the Southern League. You're fifteenth in the table at the moment. It, you know, it sounds very much to me like you're um you're you're looking to push up the table. Um, I can sense the enthusiasm in your voice and actually that's always been echoed by the interviews I've done with Oldland Abertonians. I've, I've, the club have always transmitted a very ambitious message, you know, to to, to me and and I think the the wider Western League. But I mean, it must be a challenge for you to bring in the right players, not just at this time of the season, but also to a club that is towards the you know, the wrong end of the table. It is, yes, no, no doubt about it. But my job as the manager, and, and and Clayton as the chairman, and Paul Weeks, who's the director of football, is to is to sell that ambition to the players and to show them how keen we are. We're not going to go away, you know. And and if we we want players, we we do target players. And if that player doesn't want to come, then we'll we'll then target someone else. But we want players to come, get on board now, and and be part of hopefully the old in history and, and push the club, as I said, as an established West Indy club and then into the into the Southern League, which we will do. There's no doubt about that. Um, it's going to take a lot of hard work, but we will do it because of the drive that I've seen at the club. I mean, when you reflect on your time towards the top of the table, obviously, you know, we're looking at Helston going very well. They're being chased by Clevedon, who got back to winning ways um, at the weekend, Bridgewater, you mentioned them earlier. They're, you know, they're in the hunt. Falmouth, of course, going well, and Barnstable, not a million miles away. When we think about, the, the, you know, the quality at the top, in order to achieve what you want without Oldland, I mean, how long do you think it will take for you to be competitive with the likes of those clubs that I've just mentioned? Next year. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. With the players that we can bring in, with the ambition and the organisation, we train twice a week. Um, we'll push through. Um, I think we'll get ourselves into that top half of the league fairly quickly. Um, I'm confident of it. I'm confident, and that's not just being, you know, saying it for the sake of it. I, I, I really am. From the players that we've already got at the club, we only need to add another four or five players, and we'll we'll be in amongst it. And when I first took over Bridgewater some time ago now, the club we wanted to be better than was Biddeford because Biddeford were winning everything. So Paul, Rich, and myself said, if we're better than Biddeford, we know. We'll either be winning the league or we'll be runners up. So we knew as long as we always ended up above Biddeford, we would be one of the top sides. The marker this year and for next year, if Bridgewater don't go up, I think they've got to really be one of the markers. If we end up above them or above Helston or those top six clubs, we'll be in a good position. And that's got to be our marker. We've got to be as good as them, if not better. And that's what we're aiming for. So we need to bring in players of that ilk or coach and improve players that we've got at the club. And that's what we'll do. We'll do both. Do you think um, the Premier Division is now Helston's to lose? Um, they're in a really good position, aren't they? You know, they are. got themselves into really good positions. But Bridgewater were last year, weren't they? And it's really difficult. This run-in is really difficult for any club at the top because the expectations, team will set themselves up slightly different to play you. 
and, it, and it's a different game going into the end of the season, you know, with especially when you're at the top. It's all right for the ones chasing because, you know, you're not really expected to get there. So we went on a fantastic run at the end of last season. I think we went 17 games unbeaten and then overtook Bridgewater, who were 26 points ahead of us. We, I think we ended up some like six or nine points ahead of them at the end of the season. So it can be done. Um, a club will come from nowhere, I think, and, and have a great run. Um, but yeah, it definitely helps to put themselves in a great position. And I, and I know the manager there, he's a good lad, an assistant manager, and I'm sure they've already thought of that and focusing on that and making sure that they, they don't trip up. Yeah, there does seem to be a steely consistency about them this season that perhaps hasn't been there in previous yeah. seasons. And I, I remember I was at the Les Phillips Cup final when they won that, and, and it, it was almost as if that day the penny dropped. You know, they 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 learnt how to win, and uh, yeah. and, and you know, and they've kept, they've kept doing that. They've kept grinding out those results this season. So. Um, be fascinating, as you say, in that running. But we're not talking about that end of the table. We're talking um, about you, and you've got Nowsy and Tickenham up next at the weekend. Now, I've been really impressed with the way that they've gone about their business season and with this season. Um, I think by their own admission, they wouldn't pretend to be the best team in the Premier Division, but they're certainly competitive. They certainly play to the very final whistle. And I guess this is the perfect test in many respects to see whether you can continue your good form from that win. Win, um, at Saltash, it is. They, they are a tough side. I think I've played them a couple of times now, and um, they are they are they are a really good side. They are, and they, they they said for ninety minutes, you know, you have to compete. Um, so it will be a great learning curve for for our, our younger players. Um, how to manage a game? Uh, we'll talk about that in training this week, um, and our game plan and how we're going to go into it, and hopefully that will come to fruition. But they're a good side. They said that I think they're. Their position belies them a little bit um, because when I've watched them and, and they said and played against them, they are a really difficult side to play against. And you, you have to be on your metal for the whole 90 minutes. Um, we hear a lot about um, the travel um, distances in, in the Premier Division. And I know, you know, it's it's certainly easier for some clubs to cope with that than, than others. And, and I guess travel, long distance travel, has been quite a feature of your footballing career, given the sides um, that you've... Uh, that you've managed but there seems to be an optimism in your voice and the future plans for Oldland Abertonians that actually you seem to be very optimistic that you can find the players to represent who want to represent Oldland and want to compete at the highest level regardless of where that might mean you have to play on a Saturday exactly yes yeah I I agree Um, I I think if you want to play high you should be ambitious to play high I don't understand players and teams that just want to win the league and not go up and not push themselves. I understand the constraints of the finances, and if you do go up a division, the travelling becomes harder. I, I, and I get all that, I, and I understand it. But to be ambitious, you have to you have to understand that that would be something that's going to be asked of you if you're going to be champions. Um, I think Bristol at the moment is being underrepresented in the in the leagues at the moment. I think that there's, there's, the, the players in Bristol are. are Good players, I said, and as good as what I've seen around the southwest and even over towards London, that they, they can more than compete. But it's just that little lack of ambition at the moment, um, which I'm, I find it difficult to understand. I understand the reasons why, but I still find it difficult to understand. Um, yeah, I've always travelled with football. Um, I, maybe I've been very, very lucky uh, with my work and uh, my, my football and, and what I do, but I don't get it why players don't want to travel out a 30-mile radius. 
I said, I understand the clubs themselves that has that extra travelling and our carbon footprint and we're talking about all those things and maybe a reorganisation comes at some times, but you've got the thing, right, we've reorganised, we made it more local, you win the league, you're going to go into another division that will ask you to travel. So at some time you're going to have to travel. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't, it's, it's, it's like a double-edged sword a little bit, isn't it? If it's successful, you go up a league, that league then will ask you to travel a bit further and you go up another league, that league will ask you to travel a bit further. But if you're ambitious and you want to test yourself, that's what's expected of you as a player, manager and a club. And my thanks to Craig for his time. Uh, one final game for us to talk about in the Premier Division. Uh, Shepton Mallet, Aaron Sevier, managed to avoid the um, uh, the curse of the podcast. <laughs> of course, he was on last week. Um, but, um, yeah, Aaron uh, and his side ran, running out 1-0 winners over Ilfracombe Town. Yeah, third win on the bounce. So uh, yeah, we didn't um, we didn't end his uh, his side's run of run of uh, run of winning results, which is great. <laughs> One 0 win, and uh, that came pretty late on. To be fair, uh, yeah, tight game, and it was 15 minutes from time where the deadlock was finally broken, uh, and that was Harry Rutty who headed home and uh, yeah gave Mallet the lead and the most to manage to hold on and and uh, keep keep Il Fakum out. So another another three points for the Mallet. And now a message from our sponsors. Whatever the job, with over 25,000 products in stock and ready to go, you can click, collect and conquer at Toolstation. Now we'll take a look into our first division and we'll kick things off at Brislington. Two of the uh, the power sides in the first division, Brislington and Wales City met. And, um, well, Brislington, I think, will be very pleased with um, a, a, a very good day's work at the office. Yeah, absolutely, and it was uh, yeah strong finish this one that that helped them uh, grab uh, grab victory over over Wales four goals to one it finished but that was uh, yeah not not looking like it was going to be quite as uh, one sided on the score sheet for for much of the game to be fair they did go in front uh, Captain Asa White putting them uh, putting them in putting them ahead after around ten minutes or so so they had a had a real good good start to this one but they were pegged back uh, Joe Morgan with a bullet header uh, midway through the first half and uh, that made it one apiece and that was that was how it stayed for. Yeah, considerable amount of the afternoon, as I say. It took uh, about, uh, I think it was about 20 minutes left on the clock when Nikel Plummer uh, scored a pretty decisive goal, putting Brislington 2-1 up, uh, and then he actually scored again shortly after, making it 3-1. And, uh, yeah, the Brislington uh, kept pushing from there. Ben Withy having a, adding a late fourth. And, uh, yeah, they did did run out pretty convincing victors in the end. But, yeah, Wells definitely uh, more more than a match for Briz. But, uh, yeah, coming coming unstuck in the end. I think uh, skipper, sorry, goalkeeper Harley Wilkinson was was dismissed uh, during the game. So that obviously did, uh, kept them, kept them, kept them, held them back a bit. And it was, it was Brislington who ran out 4-1 winners. Now, moving on to Hengrove Athletic, where the visitors were Gillingham Town, two sides that I guess finding find themselves at the towards the wrong end of the first division table, and this was a close affair, Tom. Yeah, it was just just one goal separating the sides. As you say, they'll probably uh, both yeah both be pretty disappointed with their league position, maybe not the performances and the results. It's not you know it's not not I don't think either side are, uh, are getting um getting taking too heavy beatings, but yeah, just uh, yeah not. Not grabbing as many wins as they would have want, but Hengrove uh, in the winner's circle on Saturday, which which is great, uh, and a 1-0 win. Uh, goal late in the first half from Brad Skidmore, uh, taking them to victory over Gillingham. I started my conversation with Jamie Hillman by reflecting on that victory, the first since October, and I asked him just how relieved he felt. Yeah, very much so. 
be honest, it, I, I forgot what it was like to win on a Saturday afternoon because I think our last couple of wins have been on night matches. Um, but yeah, we, we deserved, you know, we, we deserved to win on Saturday, and it was a it was a needed win against a Gillingham team that were that had some decent results of late, and it, you know they were they were just above us in the table. About six, I think it was six points above us. So it was good to pull that back to three, and you know, with a game in hand. But you know, game in hand costs nothing if uh, if you don't win them. I mean, obviously you were happy with the result, but what did you make of the performance on the day? Yeah, we, it was it was good. You know, we, we had it, we've said it a, a few times. You know, we've spoke a few times this season, and you know, we're very indifferent. But people say about winning to habit, we're losing to habit as well. You know, it's not a good habit to have, and we kind of fell into that. We'd steadied the ship a little bit, if you like, when narrowly losing to Ports' head, um, drawing against Bristol Telephones, when we may have got, you know, may have been able to get the three points there, but then our next two performances simply weren't good enough, or our next two or three, you know, Longwood Green um, totally outclassed us on the day. Um, and then we lost to Middles Oi last week, um, and again, you know, they deserve to win, we didn't deserve anything from the game, so... It's almost sometimes like we take take a step forward and take a couple of steps back. So, you know, we're, we're not getting too excited, but the performance we put in was a hard working performance on Saturday. We, we should have won by more, and it was it was quite it was probably as comfortable a one 0 win as you're likely to get. It's easy to get despondent, I guess, and you, you talk about sort of getting into the losing habit. But I did notice that that Portis head and that telephones uh, result, and I'm conscious of the last time we spoke, and you know, I, I know that you said at the time. You've got a young team. Inconsistency is always a factor there. Over the course of this season, when it came to the big games, they seem to produce their their best performances. And um, and it sounds to me like they, you know, well, whilst they're not as consistent as you'd like them to be, perhaps that that trend is is still consistent from the start of this season. Yeah, we're, we're you know we're more than capable of of turning up on our day and, and getting a result against anybody, I guess. But that doesn't happen enough. Um, and yes, we are a young side, but there's a lot of young sides in this, you know, these days in the Western League. And I'm, I don't want to use that as a as an excuse, if you like. The, the truth and the reality of it is, is that we simply haven't been good enough. Um, irrespective of you know our age, we, we simply haven't been good enough. And we we know we need to improve. You know, we, we've we've made a couple of signings and we've got a couple of players that have. You know, give us a bit of a boost of late, and that, that's that's great for us. But on the, on the flip side of that, we've also lost a couple of players that we we wouldn't have wanted to lose. And we're a team that, unfortunately, at the minute we're we're easy pickings. If you like, you know, you look at a team. Where can I get some players from? There's a team there that you know don't pay out any money. It's not you know they're not winning games of football. Let's go and pick from them. So that's something that we've you know we as a football club we have to try and change that. So when you reflect on your position in the table as 19th, I mean, it doesn't sound like, you you, you know, you think that's an unfair reflection on how this season's going. Um, I'm not sure if it's unfair because, you know, like they always say, it doesn't lie the table. I'm not sure if it's unfair. Should we have more points on the board than what we have? Yeah, definitely. You know, we, we've drew some games, we've even lost some games that we've looked at and thought we probably deserve better today. But there's, there's every team in the league will probably say the same. You know the reality of it is we're we're down there. Are our players better than the position we are in a league table? Probably, probably. But as a group, we haven't been good enough. You know, and and that is, is as simple as that, really. 
Do you think one of the challenges this season is that actually the first division is really, really competitive and under different circumstances, perhaps the teams towards the bottom of the table would have been, um, would have provided more opportunities um, for a side like Hengrove to win. But I mean, Middlesbrough have come in this season. Obviously, nobody knew a great deal about them and, and they've surprised a lot of sides, haven't they? They're, you know, with the way they've played. Normally, you wouldn't expect sides coming out of county football to be as competitive but of course we saw it last season with Nowsy and Ticken and we're seeing it again with Cribs Reserves um, you know if, if if clubs feeding into the league are capable of, of, of sort of competing at the top of the table it puts pressure on sides like yours yeah 100% you know, you know I, I get all the way back 2004 or 5 I think it was or 5, 6 whatever the season was when we got promoted into the into the Western League. No one knew about Hengrove then. You know, I think we ended up finishing ninth or tenth in our first couple of seasons, and then we gradually progressed. Like you know, we then become a top six side. So it certainly does happen. Like you say, Nalsey have, have come up through, and you look at the county league now. You know, teams like Chill Compton, Mendip, Broadwalk, Avonmouth in the Gloucester. They're they're teams that would more than more than hold their own in the Western League and probably come into the Western League and, and want to be up competing for those playoff places, you know. And so yeah, that you know, I, I understand that and yes it is a is is much more competitive league, you know, there's the resources seem to be a lot higher this year. And and yeah, it's you know, it is tough. It's it's trying to get it's trying to get that right balance and it's trying to convince convince players to join your football club to say this is what we want to do by the same token as a football club you have to be showing players that we're, we're willing to do this and this is where we want to go to and maybe we haven't done that enough I mean there's still quite a few games to be played between now and the end of the season I mean I'm sure you're looking up the table rather than down but I mean what, what are your goals for the rest of this season to stay in the Western League if we're perfectly honest that's you know that's what we've said in the last in the last month, probably, you know, we, we've looked at it and said, look, as a football club, we've worked, we worked hard to, to get into the Western League um, and to maintain our status there, you know. And I know we've had a couple of promotions up into the Premier Division and, and things like that along the way, but it, it's one of them where you look at, you look at us, you know. I, I can't comment for other teams, but I, I certainly look at our club and think, you know, if, if we were to to fall into that relegation zone. You know, would we bounce back straight away? I'm not so sure. So, you know, because teams will come in and cherry pick our players, you know, and then the whole cycle has to start again. So, the aim is to is to stay in the Western League. You know, whether two go down, whether three go down, we don't really want to take that chance. Which, you know, that means our performances have to be better than what they have been. You know, and we have to produce more performances like we did on Saturday and, and start picking up some more points. Now, as you know, Jamie, because we've spoken many times um, over the years on the on the podcast, um, you know, I make a point of speaking to managers after they've had a win, because um, I want to yeah. try and get them. I want to, I want to get them buoyant and and optimistic <laughs> about the future. And I, I, I just feel like I want to give you a big hug, because <laughs> you, you're in, you're a, you're a man who's embattled. And you, 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 you know, we have known each other for for a number of years. And of course, you talk about the promotion to the Premier Division. We shouldn't forget that you were winners of the Les Phillips Cup, weren't you? I mean, so th- there's got to be a blueprint. What's Jamie Hillman's blueprint to bring the good times back to Hengrove? Oh, that's a tough question, that is. Um, to be honest with you, is 
it, it's, I know we won the Les Phillips Cup and that's something that no one envisaged it would do at all, you know, but I look back in the past to changing rooms, if you like, that we, we may have had and it was not only good players, it was the lads that were willing to, wanted to be at Hengrove, you know, were willing to turn down very good offers to stay at Hengrove and I feel that maybe that doesn't happen enough at the moment in this day and age and that's not just with Hengrove, that's with you know, that's with a lot of clubs. It's too easy to, to jump ship if things are a bit tough. It's too easy to jump ship if you get offered, you know, five, ten pounds more to go somewhere else and things like that. So so maybe maybe loyalty isn't isn't as good as what it what it used to be. From our point of view is we are restarting if you like. We have got young players coming through that, you know, for instance, we had we, we lost one of our players. Mickey Parsons went to Bocco two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Now Mick's always been a Hengrove lad and is one of the best blokes around, you know, that, that you could have and would never ever let us down and will run through brick walls for you. He hadn't been enjoying his football, which I totally understand. His form probably hasn't been as best as what he would have wanted. And he needed to go somewhere else and just to just to see something different. Now we replaced Mickey for, for the game we were playing odd down, I think it got it ended up getting postponed. So Mick's one of our more experienced players, late twenties, a good, big, a proper bloke as we say. We replaced him in the squad with a sixteen year old lad that was only sixteen three days before the odd down game. Now that's the kind of things that we're doing at the moment for football club. So we're not, you know, I, I know it probably sounds all doom and gloom. It's not. You know, we've got some good young players at our football club that we're trying to bring in. Probably the problem is we're, we're doing it all on mass, and that hampers you a little bit. And you have to take the you have to take the blows sometimes. You know, you have to put up with a performance, or sometimes we get beat up a little bit. You know, in games where where I've seen it, it it's happened, and it's only it's a good learning uh, curve for us as a as a club and for the young lads that's coming into our team. What we have to do is try to... I know that these young lads are going to be a hell of a lot better for it next year. Mm -hmm. What we have to do is make sure that they stay at our football club. How we go about that, I'm not sure yet. Let's move away from Hengrove slightly for a bit. Obviously, you've you've seen a lot of clubs over the course of this season. Um, Who do you think is best placed to compete in the Premier Division next season if they get the opportunity for promotion? I mean, if you look at the league table, you'd see Porter's head. But my uh, my, my good friend Kai will probably be laughing because he'll, he'll hear this because he'll know that he'll get a mention, and he'll probably be laughing at me saying this. But their squad is a Premier League squad playing in the first division at the moment, and they're you know the support they're getting and what he's doing there is fantastic. So they would be able to compete, and no doubt if they ended up getting promoted you know his squad would be improved again on what it is so they would be able to compete you have the looks of Brislington you know a lot of our there's quite a few of our former players at, at Brislington and they're a, you know a good club with some good players again so no doubt they would be able to compete and then you have got you know teams like Wing Canton and that who are always up there and challenging you know always up there and up there you know, around the top of the table. So they would. Again, Bradstock, you know, I actually spoke to Ray Johnson yesterday and, you know, 
Brad Stock from in the past, and I know that's you know that's a club that you're familiar with. I was only chatting to Ray yesterday, and I said the one thing you can guarantee with Ray and his teams, eventually he has a proper changing room. You see the players at Radstock now; they're they're good blokes, not just good players, but they're good blokes. A proper changing room, so you know they're going to push everybody right to the very end, I believe. So there's there's a few clubs I think in the first division that can certainly go up and compete. Again, I, I guess the challenge is because you've seen it with teams that have been promoted. Is then is this day and age? It used to be where players you get promoted. Yeah, it didn't you know it doesn't matter nowadays. Teams get promoted and you get players going. Oh, I don't want to travel there. It's too much travelling, which you know is, is sometimes hard to work out for me. One last question before um, I let you go, Jamie, and that is um, you've got Cribs Reserves um, coming up next at the AVB Stadium. Uh, they've impressed me um, this season. That's going to be a, a, a really that's going to be a big challenge for for you and your players. Yeah, it, you know, uh, very good side, very good footballing side as you'd expect them to be. Um, and again, you know, they, they've come up from the county league and like, like middles. I, I'm not not necessarily saying they surprise teams because you know they're a good side, but that that habit of winning when they're winning week in week out and you come up is, is easy to carry on doing. So it will be a tough game. You know, we played them earlier on in the season on a night match, um, like we are doing this week. And it, it was a it was a bit of a nothing game if I'm perfectly honest. You know, two two big deflections for for their goals and they, you know they beat us 2-0 so yeah we're, we're, we're under no illusions of the task ahead um, but if we work as hard as what we've done on Saturday um, and we're more than capable of of competing in the game so you know if we can do that and you know maybe a little bit of luck along the way then hopefully if we can we can get another three points and then you know that could be the start of a little run for us that we it is a much needed much needed boost Excellent stuff, Jamie. Always a pleasure um, talking to you on the podcast. I hope I'm leaving you in a slightly better mood than I found you because um, you're always doing great work at Engrove and I hope, uh, well, I very much look forward to speaking to you again. Yeah, top man here. Thanks very much, mate. And my thanks to Jamie for his time. Now, moving on to uh, Longwell Green Sports, where the visitors were Radstock Town and um, the big red machine keeps on winning, Tom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This was yeah pretty pretty tough game on, on, on paper, and it proved to be that way on, on Saturday for Radstock. But they did did run out 3-1 winners. So, um, yeah, it was a, a great result, I would say. I think Longwell Green have been yeah pretty impressive over, over, over recent months. And uh, they've got an excellent home record. So for for Radstock to go there and and win it really is, uh, yeah, impressive. And they had to had to do it the hard way. They reduced to ten men after only six minutes. So to to come out three one winners, they'll be they'll be over the moon. And it was goals from Kyle Thomas, uh, Corey Rawlings, and Harley Pryor uh, that that did the business for them. And that is a twentieth league victory of the season. So yeah, real good stuff from Radstock away at Longwell Green. Impressive. Now, of course, uh, Radstock have spent most of this season hunting down. Portishead Town, the league leaders, they were at home to win Canton. Could Radstock be coming up on the rails? Have Portishead slipped in the final straight? Well, with this number of horse racing puns, the opposition could only have been win Canton Town. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think we've saved the most drama for last, haven't we? It was... uh... Portishead looking like they were going to pick up another victory against a tough opposition. I think one of us must have picked this game out last week. Uh, they were two goals to the good, uh, and it was uh, Mitch Osmond 
uh, and Ethan Felton uh, putting them uh, putting them two two up. Uh, usual suspects, and uh, obviously Felton in particular having a, an incredible season. And uh, it looked looked like they, as I say, they haven't con- been conceding many. To be fair, so at that point you would have thought they were they were on to a winner. Uh, but when Canton, yeah, managed to to come back into it big time, uh, Matt Garner. Uh, scoring in first half stoppage time to to get them get them back into it and give them something to to strive for in the second half and uh, yeah they took took a while to do that during the second half but they got there in in the end and it was Connor Williams uh, scoring from long long range in in the 90th minute to to make it to a piece looked like they'd salvaged a draw uh, but when Canton to be to be fair to them kept pushing and then in the seventh minute of stoppage time. Uh, they're awarded a penalty, the Wasps. So, uh, yeah, a chance for an incredible away victory. Uh, and it was Tom Jarvis who who did the business from the spot, rolled the ball home. And, uh, yeah, as I say, most dramatic of victories for, for Wincanton over, over our league leaders. Uh, now we will look ahead to the fixtures um, coming up. So this week we've got quite a lot of Les Phillips Cup action. We have our first semi-final, which is Shepton Mallet against Shire Hampton. Um, the other quarterfinals feature Bridgewater United against Barnstable Town and Helston Athletic against Buckland Athletic. Those games will be played on Tuesday, the 6th of February. So by the time you are listening to the podcast, those games will probably have been played. So we'll know who our other semi-final is going to be against. Those games will be played on Saturday, the 2nd of March. And the final is to be played on uh, Saturday, the 11th of May. And like last season, um, that game will be played at Tiverton Town. Um, However, I do recognise that um, uh, many listeners will really only be interested in the games, uh, well, in the FA Vars fifth round, which, of course, takes place on Saturday, the 10th of February. Will it be deal or no deal Hmm. for Bridgewater United? They are at home to deal town. And Falmouth Town, well, if they had Red Bull, it would give them wings and they will need them to get to Jersey. They play Jersey Bulls away. So we wish the very, very best of luck. I'm sure everybody from across the Toolstation Western League family wishes the very best of luck to both of our remaining sides in the FA Vars fifth round. And we will, of course, bring you the results on next week's um, podcast. But we'll take a look into our Premier Division on Saturday, the 10th of February. Tom, which game has caught your eye there? Gone for a couple of sides that uh, have, yeah, been been in good form. Well, good, good, good results at the weekend. And we've got Street uh, hosting Buckland. Obviously, Buckland coming off the back of that, a really impressive victory over, over Bridgewater. Uh, and Street themselves, uh, really good form over the last six, I reckon. So I think it should be a pretty... Pretty decent contest between a couple of uh, top half sides. And off the back of my wonderful um, weekend at Clevedon Town, I'm picking out Ilfracombe Town against Clevedon Town. Um, we didn't talk about it in the um, in the results section. Clevedon had a big win against Millbrook. That, um, unfortunately, you know, it has been um, a feature of Millbrook's season. I will say, actually, they played with an awful amount of heart, and I was incredibly impressed by their goalkeeper. So I think the green shoots of recovery are there for Millbrook, but Clevedon Town really did return to winning ways after a little blip, um, but uh, I'm sure they will have taken a great deal of confidence back. They'll need that because Ilfracombe Town away won't be easy, but I guess if Clevedon can come through this game with another three points, then maybe their title tilt, their certainly their playoff push, will be um, will be back on track. So Ilfracombe Town against Clevedon Town um, is my, my pick, and I did make it very clear 
to the Clevedon hierarchy that um, Ilford, you, a, a trip to Ilfracombe Town isn't complete unless you uh, unless you get yourself some fish and chips. Mm. Um, right then, Tom, what have uh, you picked out from our first division games? I've gone for uh, another. Yeah, I, I do like finding form size because obviously I think when they come up against each other, it's uh, should make for for better for better games. And I've gone for Wales against Porter's Head. So obviously we've got Porter's Head. Um, seeing how they respond from from that last ditch defeat at the weekend, I wouldn't particularly say they they played poorly from all accounts. Just you know, a couple of couple of late sucker punches that have uh, forced them to suffer a rare defeat. And obviously they get another uh, tough away game, and they travel to take on Wales. Won three consecutive at home. So, uh, yeah, t- another tough tough encounter for our, our league leaders. And I am going for a bit of a Bristol derby. Um, Bristol telephones against Brislington. Bristol telephones. I said this before on the podcast, never an easy place to go. The last time I said that, they lost at home. So I hope I haven't jinxed them. But Brislington, of course, had that big win against Wales. We've talked about that on the podcast. A lot of clubs, a lot of managers still thinking that Brislington are going to have um, something to say about uh, this season's um, promotion candidates. Um, so uh, another win on the road here at Bristol Telephones, I'm sure will cement whether or not Brislington could well be on another long winning streak into the uh, into the end of the season. So it'll be interesting to see who comes out there. Now, last week we didn't talk about the league tables, Tom. So this week we will. Do you want to take the listeners through who are the uh, who's flying high in the Premier <laughs> Division? Yeah, I reckon this probably has changed since since last time we did it. And it is now Helston who are top of the table, isn't it? They've uh, played 23. They've won 18 of those and they're up to 56 points. And got, their goal difference is, is pretty mega in comparison to the rest. Uh, there's a 62 and the, the next best is uh, 35. So they've got a considerable uh, advantage in in that uh, that metric. Uh, we've got Clevedon, who've obviously dropped down to second over recent weeks. Uh, they've played 24, so that's one more than Helston, and they're on 52 points. 16 wins uh, for them. Uh, you've then got Bridgewater, who uh, suffered a uh, a bit of a setback in their, their title hopes on the weekend. Uh, played 22, so they've got games in hand on the sides above them, but they're now back, uh, back on 46 points, so 10 off the top. Uh, and then you've got Falmouth, uh, and Buckland doing really well up in fourth and fifth and also Barnstable they're the other side that have reached 40 points so far they've played 20 matches and they've won 11 of those so that's the top six in the Premier Division and Millbrook still propping up the table in 18th they've played 20 they've got three points Wellington um, they've, uh, they're have they in 17th they've played 22 and got 13 points then above them Welton Rovers they're in 16th they've played 20 matches and they've got 14 points and Oldland Evertonians well are they showing signs of moving up the table maybe they are they're in 15th um, they've got uh, they've played 21 games and they have got 15 points the same number as Saltash but Saltash have played two games more than Oldland. There's a 10-point gap between those sides and Ilfracombe Town in 13th. Uh, and uh, do you want to take us through um, who's flying high in the first division, Tom? Yeah, sure. And uh, it is still Porter's Head, just about. They've uh, obviously had their had their lead um, uh, cut into on the weekend. Uh, they have played 28. They've won 21, which is pretty incredible. Uh, goal difference of 57, which is uh, yeah better than the sides just below them. And they're on 67 points. So 67 points from 28 games for league leaders Porter's head. You've then got Radstock, who obviously cut into that gap, as I say. They're now only three points back, 64 uh, points for them. But they have played one more game. They've played 29. 
as have first third place Cribs. Uh, Cribs Reserves, they've played 29 as well, and they're on 61 points, so just six points covering the top three. I think we've got an absolutely fascinating title race coming up, and I don't, I wouldn't rule out the next two sides either. Uh, Wincanton, obviously incredible result for them on the weekend. Uh, 28 games played, they're on 58 points, so that's nine off the top. Uh, and then also Brislington. I, well, they they proved last year that they can mm. uh, they can handle a run in. They are ten points back from Porter's Head at the moment, but they do have uh, games in hand. At least one on all the sides above them. So they are down in fifth, but they played just twenty seven, which is a, as I say a couple less than uh, some of those sides. And they're on fifty seven points, and their goal difference, in fact, is is the best in the division of sixty one as well. So you never know that could that could make a difference in the, in the final uh, final runnings. But I think that top five, yeah, I've I. Couldn't predict it at the moment. I think obviously Porters had got the points in in the bag, but uh, as as proven on the weekend, there's some there's going to be some tough games out there for all of these sides. So uh, yeah, fascinating to see how it, it pans out over the next couple of months. And of course, with 22 teams in that division, mm. there's still a lot of games there to is. be played, really a lot is. of football to be played. Um, uh, Bishop Sutton, there at the bottom of the first division table, they've played 29 games, they've got two points. Um, then Cheddar. Um, they're in 21st. They've got 20. They've played 27 games and they've got 13 points. Then there's a 10-point gap between Cheddar and Canesham in 20th. Canesham have played 28 games and they have 23 points, the same number as Hengrove, but Hengrove have a game in hand. So that is the bottom of our first division. Right, Tom, we have been looking at all of the facts and figures in your excellent bulletin, of course. Where can the listeners find that? So the bulletin is on the uh, the homepage of the toolstationleague.com website. Uh, there's a tab just to, if you little scroll down, it's uh, next to next to where we have the podcast as well and the league table. So that's uh, that's on the homepage, and uh, yeah, that'll come out every week. Excellent stuff, Tom. Thank you very much for your time, and I look forward to catching up with you on next week's Toolstation Western League podcast.